Hi, welcome to Hints of Gladness. I'm your host, Rod Jans. In our current series of podcasts, we're exploring the topic of contemplation. What does it mean, and how does it impact the way we show up in the world? I'm hoping that these conversations will be a contemplative experience. So I invite you to join us, engage, and be open as we discuss my guests' spiritual journeys and their contemplative experiences. My guest today is Shauna Gill. Shauna is a retired nurse educator within a critical care context. She has her master's degree in nursing and studied hope in the critically ill and their families. Shauna blended her nursing and spirituality, which drew her to practice her Christian faith as a parish nurse in a church, blending nursing and pastoral care. Shauna was widowed at 43 years of age in 2006, and she raised her three kids from that point onwards. She moved into living from the heart and spiritual direction through SoulStream in 2009. Shauna is now retired and continues to offer spiritual direction and contemplative practices wherever they cross her path. Shauna now lives on some property with her second husband, where she gardens and continues to learn how to live gently on this earth with a heart of gratitude. Shauna is the author of a children's book and is finishing up a memoir. She says her second children's book is in her head. Shauna enjoys gardening, fishing, hiking, cycling, reading, writing, and photography. Shauna is a good friend and I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope you do too. Now please help me welcome Shauna Gill. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on Hints of Gladness. We've been doing a series on contemplation. And I was just saying to Shauna that it's been a real pleasure because I've been able to talk to some of my good contemplative friends and 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 Shauna is definitely one of those. So thanks for thanks again for joining me today, Shauna. Thank you for asking me. We've been starting all of these out with a moment of silence. And so I just want to invite Shauna to join me in that. And then our listeners as well, if you want to just stop what you're doing and enter into stillness and silence, however you, you do that. And let's, let's begin. Shauna's got a candle there. That's, that's nice. <laughs> do you want to say anything about the candle before we begin? That, that, that you know what? It just really helps me center every yeah. time. And even if I'm just having a busy day and I just prepping dinner, I'll just light a candle. And yeah, it's just great. So, so this is me, audio. So people can't see that. I just, but <laughs> just to know Shauna just showed me on video. She showed me a candle that she has. <laughs> okay, let's begin.
So thank you everyone for participating in that. And uh, Sean, I just, we had a nice discussion before we started and you were inquiring about how I was doing. <laughs> how are you doing today? What, what's surfacing for you? Mm, today and in this moment, um, in the quiet, I think what came to my mind was that old book, Pilgrim's Progress. Oh, wow. And, and just, you know, in what I've been thinking about as you invited me to do this and come and share, you know, leaps and bounds are pretty rare. <laughs> and so it's this minute progress that we can sense and feel and experience, you know, over our lifetime when we're longing for God and searching for God and looking for meaning in our life. And so, yeah, that's what came to me in the, in the quiet and, and just in my day-to-day -day life today, right? It's been a bit of a scattered day. And so just a little bit of work here outside and in the house and just making progress with the laundry, <laughs> with the weeding, you know, just little bits, an hour here and an hour there. And so that just kind of, uh, yeah, kind of sets the stage for, I think, what we're going to talk about today. But that's what came to me in the silence. Yeah, that sounds like a great way to set the stage. Leaps and bounds are pretty rare. Is that a line from Pilgrim's Progress? or it's No, that's just my line. <laughs> it's just that leaps and bounds in our spiritual life, at least in my spiritual life, are pretty yeah. rare, right? Yeah. It's more than picking and the every day, every day, little bit of progress. And then back in the day, we might call it backsliding, but, you know, we forget, <laughs> we forget and, you know, then we carry on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we don't use those terms as much anymore. <laughs> I know it's pretty harsh. Pilgrim's Progress. My, my grandfather was a pastor. And that was one of his favorite, favorite books. I think he had it memorized along with a lot of the Bible. He had a, a photographic memory. And so, yeah, it's oh. a, a book that has shown up in, in my life, <laughs> been a part of my life too. I'm sure it's still on my bookshelf, but I didn't pull it out when I was thinking about <laughs> the authors that I do enjoy. So yeah, yeah, just a different generation, right? Yeah. Yeah. So as we begin again, you know, who are some of your spiritual, who were some of your spiritual influences when you were younger? Well, yeah. And who and what, right? Who yeah, and what? Yes. Yes. Because my first, you know, when I was thinking about this, I was raised Catholic and there were seven kids and mom and dad. So nine of us and, you know, spit and polished for Sunday morning with, you know, rag curls in my hair and, and everybody looking great and mom was organized and and then when I was about 16 I had a, a girlfriend that I worked with and she was a Protestant and it seemed so different she talked about Jesus all the time and and we didn't talk about Jesus and we didn't read our Bible like you read the I've never read the Bible so Joanne was a really big influence and so I became a born-again Christian when I was about you know received Jesus into my heart even though I had been baptized and confirmed in the Catholic Church. And so that really changed my trajectory. And so I, I ended up, I would say, divorcing the Catholic Church for a time or maybe just separating and going along that more Protestant evangelical stream. And, and my first husband, who was my late husband, was of the Baptist faith. And so when we got married and we joined the Baptist church and then we moved on to the evangelical church and then things just went awry. And, and one of the other influences at that later point in my life, kind of around my thirties was I did my master's in nursing and I studied hope in the critically ill and their families. 
And that really blended my nursing care with my spiritual being. And so out of that came my longing to really live into my faith on a daily basis. And I think that would be more how I turn towards a more contemplative lifestyle. I ended up, I did, the concept wow. of hope in the critically ill and their families. And the most astounding, yeah, the most astounding thing is that, so in one family, all surrounding, you know, the dad who had had a big aneurysm, you know, there they all were, and they all had their own, I'll call it flavor of hope for their dad, for themselves in that situation. And so, and uncertainty is really necessary for us to have hope. We're not uncertain about anything. We don't need hope. So those are the two biggest takeaways is that we always hope for something. Even when someone we love is dying, right? We hope that they won't have pain. We hope that we'll manage their death. We hope for their peace. And, and so there's always hope for something because there's always uncertainty. Did you work in hospice care? Oh, but I was always a critical care nurse. So I always worked in trauma care. Until I became a parish nurse. And then I blended nursing and pastoral care. And that too came out of my master's work of my, you know, my, my extended practice as a nurse. That's cool. But as a person of faith, that must have been really great to be able to study something like that and then yeah. and, and and use it practically yeah. in the profession. That you know what? That was amazing. That was that was the capstone of my career, I would have to say. And mm. when I brought parish nursing into this large church and and it's been like almost 18 years since I left that role, but it carries on in that church and others are the parish nurse. So Amazing. I really have to, legacy. I did, I guess I, I guess I did. There's yeah. others and it's continuing on. And that's what we, we hope, right? That the next generation will continue what's worthwhile. What is a parish nurse? I'm not familiar with that. Like, what? Well, a parish nurse, it's an actual role. And a parish nurse is a registered nurse who blends nursing and pastoral care. And so we bring, we bring, you know, you mentioned hospice care. We bring hospice care. We bring teaching. You know, I did some teaching around depression and anxiety, and and in the church that can be tricky, right? Because at that time it wasn't always ex as easily accepted a diagnosis in Christians, right? I still fought a little bit of that, and so and even you know teaching about bullying and you know helping the, the play school kids learn how to wash their hands. I just did. From every age group, there was something that I could do. And, you know, talking to the youth about gratitude, like what is real gratitude, right? You should be grateful. Is it really? <laughs> that teens sometimes hear, is it really a gratitude that they really are, are wanting to feel? So, yeah, just every age group had something that I could offer in nursing. Because nurses, you know, we, we do health promotion and disease prevention. And people often think of us as 
you know, at the bedside in the hospital. But what we're doing is we're promoting them to come back to their state of health after they've had surgery or an injury or something like that. So health promotion, disease prevention, and just well-being. And so spirituality definitely is part of that. Yeah. It sounds like contemplation and action. It sounds like just a, a blend of the two. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. That's really cool. I don't know if I sent you this question, but I, I'm confident you can answer it. So I, don't, don't, be nervous. don't be okay. nervous about this. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading a book right now called Church of the Wild by Victoria Loon. She's actually from Bellingham, Washington, which is oh. too far from here. And so it's, it's got me thinking about just spending more time in nature. I wonder if you could just tell us about the land that you live on and how oh. that maybe has a, a, a role in your contemplative oh, life. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. So when you said <laughs> Church of the Wild, I totally get that in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 I I think the land that I live on we stumbled on <laughs> upon on a holiday out here out in the Okanagan with my kids and and Dave and I started to go for a walk and this land happened to be for sale and you know we put like nine conditions on it and they all came came down and that even meant that the people who owned it and sold it to us would rent it from us for a year because I wasn't ready to move out of Calgary yet. My kids were in their late teens. And so it was kind of serendipitous, I guess you could say, or God, that brought us to this piece of property. And I am a, I go to the Church of the Wild. <laughs> And that's outdoors, right? I loved the outdoors. Outdoors was healing to me. And I really started gardening in earnest after the death of my first husband in 2006. And I, I planted a garden in his honor and we had a big party and people brought things to plant. And, and when I sold that property, it was sad. But, you know, there's always newness, right? God always brings something new. And so, so we have this land and I have a few fruit trees, like a couple peaches and two apples and a plum and an apricot and a pear tree. And then a vegetable garden and I, so many flowers. So I'm a busy person outside every season. You know, I'm pruning in February and I, I just do things as much as I can myself. And the only reason I go work out at the gym is so that I could do my gardening, <laughs> you know, without hurting myself. And so, so this property, the kids, my three adult kids come from Calgary to see us. And my longing with our property is not that it's a space where we can be with God, but where others can be with God. And, and God to me is like like look at the artist that god is that the creation that god created i'm going to say he she created right the colors and the different kinds of lilies that there are and the different kinds of ants that there are and so i feel and i believe that that creative energy is part of that divine dna that we seem to have that helps us live out our life in God, in God, with God, with Christ. And so this property, yeah, I, I'm, I'm building it with God. And I never know what 
what it's for, right? I don't know. I have a dream that maybe someday, and I've mentioned to you, Rod, people would come and use the downstairs bedroom, which could be quite a nice sort of hermitage for somebody who knows how to do a retreat on their own. And they could have a cold fridge down there to keep some, you know, kind of a pared down diet for themselves. And and they could walk. We're, we have a hill and it goes down to the Kettle Valley Railway, which you could walk, you know, all the way to Penticton, five kilometers north or 10 kilometers south to OK Falls and or bicycle or yeah. So there's potential. And I always say, well, God, whatever. <laughs> so I like to do what God puts in front of me. And yeah. And for today, that's, you know, cutting back and weeding. That's what I'm out there doing these days. So depends on the season. Awesome. And what, what drew you to contemplation? Hmm. So I think it's part of my personality. I think that as a child, I noticed. I was the kid that noticed the mud puddles. I was the kid that noticed, you know, in Calgary growing up, you know, kind of March and April, um, you'd walk to school and the, the snow would be melting and, and puddles forming, but then they froze at night and I would just spend so much time cracking the ice and, you know, moving the bubbles under the ice. Just sort of that noticing type of child, quiet, more of a quiet soul type. And so, you know, it's noticing is part of my way of being in the world. And so I think I've always been a contemplative. I've always... I wouldn't say, well, I've kind of stayed on the edges, right? I'm okay with one or two good friends. I don't need, you know, I need quiet. I need silence. I need, when Dave and I are busy, we need our souls to catch up. That's what we say when we've been on a busy holiday or or when we go camping, we go and we stare at the trees. We don't go do a bunch of stuff. We just sit outside our trailer and stare at the trees because our souls need to catch up. And so, so when I was a parish nurse, here's the interesting thing and how I got connected with SoulStream and became a spiritual director and really started to grow in my contemplative life because the pastor at the time said, you know, Shalina, I think you do this in your office as a parish nurse and it's called spiritual direction. So he sent me to Kingsfold back in 2000 and four and Jeff and Stephen back were giving an introduction to spiritual direction weekend and at the end of the weekend they said how many here would be willing to maybe take a course out here at Kingsville called spiritual direct the art of spiritual direction and of course I put my hand up and I, I ended up being delayed a year in taking it so I was to be in you know a few of our colleagues class the first one that they did out in Alberta but was my husband's passing I waited a year and then joined them in 2007. So that really sealed it for me, right? I started to learn that this is an actual spiritual, you know, official, <laughs> had some words to it, right? I just sort of did it naturally, but but it had some words to it and, it, and some, some good meat that I could sink my teeth into and, and good mystics that I could read about and say, oh yeah, I get it. And and so there was just such an affirmation of my, my faith. And so that contemplative journey was, you know, really in earnest started and the, pra the practice of it started with SoulStream back then. And it just continues now. Mm -hmm.
I like that saying that you said, our souls need to catch up. I can really relate to that. (laughs) After being really busy, being with a lot of people, it's like, oh, just give us some, give us some quiet. And I think Kathleen and I too, the older we get, the more we just like to be, and with vertigo, we both have vertigo and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to just be be quiet and our favorite thing probably like you guys is just to sit out under the stars and or or watch the watch the sun go down and just watch nature and that sort of stuff we don't have to be doing much (laughs) no the birds oh my gosh so i know that you we're going to talk about authors and some of your favorite authors but i should mention that you're an author (laughs) i am i am an author i love to write (laughs) i've written a children's book and i have the title again Henrik the rooster learns to be kind. <laughs> and it's a story about Henrik, who is a beautiful rooster, right? And he's very proud, but he's a bully. And so he starts to learn how to be kind in the farmyard. And yeah, and I've all, I'm also writing another book that I started when my first husband was ill. And it's like kind of too long a story to go into right now, but it's going to be the the publisher and editor contacted me a year ago. And so I've been working on it again. I put it in the closet for about 10 years and I'm bringing it back. And it's kind of a memoir and it's kind of about the spiritual journey. And I'm not sure what to call it. Maybe like a regular gal does God. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, that should be coming out probably within the next year or so. Oh, incredible. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Neat. Neat. So you can answer this however you want to answer it. Like, okay. is there a book that was pivotal in your contemplative mm. journey or, uh, or is there something that you're reading right now that's really alive for you? Or you well, can answer both. <laughs> Whatever I know. Want. Well, it's funny because my bookshelf, right? I know I need to, I keep buying books and it's a bad habit. <laughs> but you know what? One of the books that really has, his message has stayed with me and given me solace and given me a leg to stand on. And that's Gratefulness, the Heart of Prayer by Brother David Standall Rast. And the reason, one of the biggest reasons, you know, after my husband passed, and even before he got sick, I, I started to have some depression, clinical depression. And so David's writing has helped me to learn how to be grateful and how to use that gratitude not to fight depression, but to be with my depression. And to, it's it's a low-grade depression, but it doesn't go away. I'm still on medication. Here we are like 15 years in. I tried to cut it in half about six months ago, and it didn't go well. So that's okay, right? And so just remember that old song. Here we go back talking about old things, but count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, name what God has done. And it's true. It helps me be grateful. And, and, and so David's just stayed with me the longest because I just, gratefulness is the heart of my prayer. And one of the things I wrote this quote down, he says, the more we come alive and awake, so that noticing, right, that we do as contemplative, the more everything we do becomes prayer. And so there's a connection to being awake, being alive, being grateful for the birds and the bees and the stars and and even the bad days, right? Say the say the quote one more time. That was yeah. The more we come alive and awake, the more everything we do becomes prayer. 
And so that's David's da- brother, David Stanbill. And there's my, there's my little alarm for something. And then, of course, there's Henry Nowen. And what I loved about Nowen and his, how he stayed with me is, you know what? His nitty-gritty reality of his humanity and being honest about his depression, his anxiety, his frustrations, his jealousies. I just, you know, I can totally relate and just how honest he was. And so that has helped me be honest because it's not always nice to be honest and it's hard to be honest. And then I have to say, sorry, Esther DeWall wrote The Celtic Way of Prayer. And Celtic spirituality, I lean on as well because it's every day. And they pray. I remember one prayer goes something like, I bless this bed (laughs) as I make it. And so that can bring, you know, I bless the people who bring me the coffee bean, right? And we grind it fresh every morning and we smell it. And we are so grateful for the coffee bean and that that has been created and all the people and we pray against oppression, you know, in whoever is bringing it to us. And then my final friend that I'll mention is a new friend. And sadly, he's passed away. But Richard Wagamese is an, a Canadian Ojibwe, and he passed away a while back. But, oh, his embers, it's just another encouragement that our spiritual journey is similar because we are a human and the creator is the creator. And so Richard Wagamese, again, just your feet are on the earth. And... I just take a lot of joy. And so all of these people teach me gratitude, reality, humanity, and that it's okay. It's okay. And it'll be okay. <laughs> I really related to what you said about Henry Nouwen. And it kind of makes me think some of these authors are sort of really groundbreaking, you know, like David Stambelrass too was, I think, but Henry Nouwen in particular for his vulnerability and uh, yeah, just his realness. And yet, you know, I think sometimes the knock against, against contemplatives is they're just navel gazing or whatever, but <laughs> that wasn't Henry Nowen at all. Actually, someone, someone in my previous interviews just said they went and saw him speak and he just wasn't like anything that they imagined. He was just so charismatic and, and yeah, you know, so it's, he just really, I, I think some of these authors just they've given us permission to be, to be real. And that wasn't necessarily our religious upbringing or experience prior to that. Right. That's right. Right. I often talk about the foyer in the church, right? The foyer is the place where everybody's, like I said, spit and polished and looking good and they're all fine. Right. And these authors say, we're all human and we need to be showing that Mm -hmm. we need to show that, I guess, in our actions. Right. Yeah. And that's a great segue into our next question. <laughs> okay. How do you think practicing contemplation or living in a contemplative community has changed your life? Hmm. It's, that's a challenging question because the old me, like the old me, the younger old me, wanted to you know, set the world on fire. And I can't do that. And so sometimes I get caught up in this, well, what is my action in the world? And sometimes my action is 
like that butterfly effect, right? I have to trust that, that, you know, the wings of a butterfly change the universe. And so is it the small things that can help? And so being a contemplative helps me hold things that are difficult and don't have easy answers. And, you know, that can be anything from, you know, not, not parenting my kids who are adults, right? They're adults. I'm their mom, but I don't need to parent them anymore. I can be, you know, just be here for them in however they need me to be on an adult level. It helps me deal with anxiety, even to just embrace it and just let it be. I mean, look at the world, like look at what's going on in the world. And the world has always been a troubled place. And, you know, Jesus says, we'll always have the poor. How can we just, how can we be in the world and be changed? And so I think, I think I'm more patient. I think I'm, I can listen to people. I can try and be compassionate more for myself and then hopefully more for others. So contemplative practices help me listen to my soul and be honest and, and then understand what I need and be compassionate towards myself. And then that, of course, grows my compassion for others in the world. And it helps me to be on God's timeline a little bit more than mine. <laughs> you know, when things go awry, it's like, okay, you know, here's an interruption. What, what am I being invited to? So it just helps me be more open to whatever life is bringing me. It might not be it in the moment, but when I sit down to be quiet, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got kind of stressed out there. But now I can look at it, right? And little by little, we, we do change. And we do become, hopefully, more Christ-like, whatever that means, right? It's interesting, isn't it? How I mean, I think contemplation can be a huge help to anxiety, just for so many of the reasons that you just you just mentioned. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Learning to be with what is, learning to yes. accept ourselves, all kinds of things we could, you know, a whole number. Learning to go according to God's timeline, like you said. Yeah, yeah. So many and learning things. to laugh in a way, right? Yeah, and learning to laugh with friends, like you know, like yourself and I, even before, like. Just the troubles in life, right? Yeah. And, and that we try and we try again. And yeah, here we go around the circle again. And little by little, not leaps and bounds. <laughs> so in this series, we've been asking everybody the same question. So the next question is, and I know the answer to this, but maybe you have more than one. But what, what does contemplative community look oh. like for you? It, it's interesting because it's not a, it's not... Where I am located, my contemplative community, the first and foremost one I would say is the Soul Streams Dispersed community. I don't have like a home group or a care group or whatever we want to call it, you know, that I meet with regularly, other than I meet online for Zoom contemplative prayer once a month. And so online has been huge for me in terms of who I'm with, in terms of contemplative community. And so with you know, with COVID, that was huge, right? Just to be able to connect with a friend or the leadership team when I was on that team, 
or with the contemplative prayer group. And so that was really foundational over the last number of years with COVID and, and just being with other people on the journey. And then here in Kaledin, the Kaledin Community Church is, is a beautiful little open church to contemplative ways. And I, I think I would say I don't attend on Sundays because I'm still a little bit church timid, but they invite me to participate. And so I've brought collage to them and I've brought some Advent prayer times and and it's it's a lovely place that is open to other ways of worshiping God and other ways of praying. And so I really count them as part of my contemplative community. And then I think everybody is part of my contemplative community, right? Because with everybody, I get to practice compassion. The people in the grocery line, you know, I love the mamas who are behind me with their screaming kids and you know, just to give them some encouragement. And so I think the world at large, people at large, are part of my contemplative community because they help me practice, practice compassion, practice patience. Oh, yeah. I like that answer. Yeah. It's, it's not just a set group of people necessarily. It can no, be everywhere it, and everywhere with everyone. Anyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And I'm wondering, Shauna, what's what's really giving you life right now? You've spoken about a number of different things, but if you want to go back over any of those, by all mm. means, do. But uh, yeah, what's what in particular is giving you life right now? I think right now life is giving me life. Right? We have our adult kids come to see us in the summer, and I have three adult kids, and um, I say to them, you know what? They can't all come at once. At once in the summer, I want to see each one and their and their partners separately. Like, so Will and Lucy came last week, and now Tim and Anna will come over the August long, and then Marin and Matthew will come. And so that gives me life and joy, and to reconnect with them and find out who they are, who are they becoming, and who are they, what have they, how have they changed? And so that brings me a lot of life in the summertime. And and just summer, you know, summer brings me life. The birds, oh my gosh. We had three birdhouses. Two of them had Western bluebirds in them and they were feeding their babies and we could see it all take half, take place in our yard. And, and we had just a, a group of sparrows that we could see more clearly right from our patio table. And oh, all three, all three were just sitting out there with their beaks out, out of the little crack and mama was feeding them and papa was feeding them. And then we watched them the day that they got to fly. So the parents were encouraging them. It was just like, it was such a fun thing. So, you know what, just the everyday ordinary things, cooking a fun meal, going to see friends and fishing. I do fly fishing. So that's been fun catching some fish lately. And so just enjoying the summertime and, and all the gifts of that. And so that's what's bringing me a lot of life these days. That's cool. So life is bringing you life. Life is bringing you <laughs> life, exactly. And you're a spiritual director. Spiritual directors are great at asking good questions. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a question in mind that you wish everybody would ask of themselves? Mm. You know, I think one of the most common questions I ask is how's your heart? 
And I ask it of my husband. I ask it of my kids. And it's a good question to ask yourself. How's your heart today? So that's an easy question to remember. And I think it's a good one to practice on yourself and on those people that you love. If you really want to know how they're doing. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah, I can see. I have a friend who's a a counselor, actually, a, a, a therapist. And he, he always asks me that he'll even text me like, how, well, he says, how's your soul? Oh yeah. <laughs> very close. Yeah. Very, so very good. Yeah. 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 But as you were explaining it, I could just, I was going, yeah, it's not, you know, what are you thinking or how are even, how are you feeling? Yeah. But you take it to the heart level. How is, how is your heart? That brings up a very different answer, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. 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 Does David ever get tired of you asking him that? No, no, <laughs> no. no. And he asks it back of me some days. How's okay, it? great. And it's a it's a great marital question. Yeah, <laughs> as well, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It shows you you care what's going on on their emotive, their heart level, and so mm-hmm. yeah, it's a really it's a good question. I, I like it because too because and I I feel like I struggle with this as I don't always know. Like people talk about living from their heart. We Soul Street even has a course called yeah. Living. And some I'm still I still get confused about it. But mm. if I if I ask that question, then that 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 I think that could be helpful to just get in touch with what's going on in my heart. That probably would help to live from my heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Great. Well, Shauna, I know that you are. You're, you're practiced in leading contemplative exercises, and I just want to invite you to do that now. I'm just going to mute myself and just let you okay. go for it. Okay. <laughs> I'll just, Thank you. I'll just be a participant. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Thank you. And then, and then I'll close things off when you're okay. when you're done. Let me know when you're when you're wrapping up or finished. Okay. Thank you. practice that I thought I would bring for today is praying the examine. And I like this practice because it can be done. Praying the examine is when you just look back on the day and you consider the things that brought you life and the things maybe that you struggled with. But it can be done, you know, at nighttime and in your bed, or it could be done on the weekend for the past week, or it could be done at the beginning of the month for the last month, or it could be done for the year. And I really like that because you get a different flavor depending on how you approach it. And the rendition that I'm going to bring today, kind of the words of prayer, was used at a Christian Reformed church in Calgary that I helped lead a women's group. And that women's group, I think they were called Breathe In. And I have ne- I was participating in many women's groups back then, like over, say, 10 years. And the way that we did the examine brought so much life and honesty to those women that the deep connections that were created were honest, authentic connections, which can sometimes be hard with women's groups. And so I just value that and learning that and doing it with that group of women. And so... It also, doing this examine, brings my practice of living gratefully to the end of the day, and it prepares me 
for the next day. So I will just, I've got my candle lit and I'm going to read the opening prayer and we'll have some time of silence where you can consider your answer and then we'll go on to the next part. So gracious God, open our hearts to listen to your still, small voice within. In God's loving presence, I unwind the past day, starting from now, and looking back moment by moment. I gather in all the goodness and light in gratitude. And for what am I most grateful? I return to the day, and now I attend to the shadows and what they say to me, seeking healing, courage, and forgiveness. What part of my day lies in the shadows?
Gracious Spirit, we acknowledge that you are present in all the light and shadows of our day. We trust that you will speak to us through that for which we are grateful and through those things in our life that we find difficult. Teach me, teach us to trust you, to lead us into greater freedom and to love as you live in me tomorrow. Thanks, Shauna. That was really nice. Welcome. You know, going back to the group of women, what we did with that, because this is typically a very personal examine, right? You do it for yourself. But in small groups of three or four, Mm -hmm. we would attend to each question quietly. And then we would share without acknowledging or adding input or anything we would just listen to each person and that oh, where the depth no crosstalk <laughs> no crosstalk allowed yeah. yeah and so to just share honestly what was in the light and what was in the darkness just was a profound way to to share it in very small intimate groups and it really was really community building exactly okay. yeah so yeah. thank you for letting me share that today oh thank you for sharing it thank you for agreeing to join me i know it created a little bit of anxiety for you as it has <laughs> to be honest my, yes <laughs> yeah as it has for most of my guests so you're in you're in good company but Thank i you. have a feeling that our conversation today is going to be helpful to people and hopefully will encourage them and and yeah encourage them to go deeper and to practice contemplation and find community and all the different things that oh. we talked about <laughs> Thank you. And may they find, you know what, that we're all kind of the same, right? We long yes. for the same things and we yeah. struggle with the same things. And that's our, that's our community. Thanks again for joining us on Hints of Gladness. For show notes and other resources, please visit hintsofgladness.com.